All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Canucks fans. Harmon and I are having a very passionate debate moments before the show went live, yelling at each other. And Grady, producer Grady Sass, had to tell us that we were going live and that we had to stop. I think this conversation has to continue in anyone else. Do you agree? Sure. It's about Elias Patterson, and it'll continue throughout the show as we preview the Canucks game against the Colorado Avalanche. My name is David Cudrelli. That is Harmon Dial. This is Canucks Conversation, the first episode of the week. And as always, Canucks Conversation is brought to you by the 2023 Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X is Toyota's brand new all-electric SUV that is designed to go the distance for you and your family. The BZ4X is packed with Toyota's coolest tech, but it still has that trusty SUV feel you know and love. And even though it's electric, it's capable of effortlessly conquering any terrain. Whether it's rain, snow, mud, or your friends' questionable post-game recaps, the BZ4X will get you through. I hope you were all driving a BZ4X after you had to watch that game yesterday against the Minnesota Wild. Of course, we are coming to you from the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. Looking for your next meeting space? Contact the Wall Center for all your event needs at sales at wallcenter.com. All right, Harm, I saw you today, and the first thing we said to each other was, where do we start? We haven't had a show since the 4-2 loss against those Winnipeg Jets, and we also haven't had a show since yesterday's 10-7 loss to the Minnesota Wild. So I don't know. I, I think we should actually work backwards. I think we should start with Minnesota because it was the more recent thing, and I think it's the thing on everybody's mind, and I think people want us to kind of get over it as fast as possible and kind of get through it. We had someone in the chat, Sniper, 
asking how great it would be if they opened with the MIB Neuralizer, Men in Black, to blank our memories. And of course, I said, did somebody say MLB? Because he did MIB. <laughs> Anyways, um, people want to forget this game, and for good reason. Yeah, look, sometimes you have a game that's so silly, so wild, that there's no point trying to overanalyze it. And that's honestly my take from that Minnesota game, because, look, it's an anomaly. How many times are you going to... How many games are you going to have where you go down two two players four times? Yep. Like, that's pretty unheard of. Uh, I do think it opens up a bigger conversation in the sense that the Canucks have had discipline issues for a while now. Yes. Uh, Three since, to four games we've heard from Rick talking, well, right? Even longer. I mean, since January 1st, they've taken the fourth most penalties in the NHL. Now, part of that, you could argue, even going back to the Winnipeg game, has been, okay, maybe you've had a couple calls go against you officiating-wise. But I also think that part of it is I remember when the Canucks first acquired Nikita Zadorov and we liked the acquisition at the time for sure. One of the points that I brought up was Zadorov, Myers and Cole are all routinely year in year out among the defensemen that always take the most penalties in the NHL. Now there have been also a lot of forward penalties, but when you compound a back end that has a history year in year out of taking a lot of penalties yes. with the forward group also now taking some stick infractions, this um, this is a trend to watch for, big picture. But even some of the other goals, like Erickson Eck uh, in the first period goes in off his foot. In the third period, an- another one went went in off a uh, went in off a skate. Um, weird, wonky game. Obviously, you didn't have Thatcher Demko in net. Uh, yeah, it's just I you just flush that one. I think there's no point. Even if you were the Canucks, I think the message that you drill home is. Stay out of the box. Stop with the stick infractions, yep. as Rick talk, talked about after the game. But beyond that, just flush it. And here is that clip of Rick Tockett talking about the stick penalties that he says have been present in their game for the past three to four games. Probably three games, four games. Yeah. It's getting, uh, it's actually stupid stick penalties. You know, you can't do it. And we got to learn. And when you play under pressure, you cannot do those things. JT Miller complimented their five-on-five play yesterday, and, and you and I talked about that line, the JT Miller line, and I said that was their that was you know their first good game in a while, and you made the point that hey they actually played pretty well against Winnipeg as well. So you take all that, you put it all together, and you hope that you have a strong five-on-five performance tonight. And with the power play getting off the Schneid, Brock Besser scoring a goal, a couple good things happened in the game yesterday. Believe it or not, you hope that all of that combined and preferably staying out of the box and cleaning up on those stupid stick penalties and, you know, clearing the puck over the glass like we saw from JT Miller to put them down uh, again on a five on three. You hope with those things cleaned up, they have better fortune against the Colorado Avalanche. Tonight. Yeah. It's been the special teams that have let them down the last two games, because even in the Winnipeg game, I thought they were um, pretty sound. I, going back to the Minnesota game, in addition to all the wonky things that happened, I also just don't think the Canucks were, and I mean, anytime you let 10 goals and of course you weren't sharp defensively, mm-hmm. but uh, late in the first period, for example, Canucks are up to nothing minute left. And it's just about game awareness and management. You can't have a breakdown in that situation where it's a simple four check Minnesota's goalie. I think Gustafson was still in net yep. at that point, uh, had it behind the net rims it around Pedersen's there at the wall. He can't knock it down, which normally he's able to execute. Uh, that's a play that normally he's able to stop right there. Make sure that you're able to intercept the Minnesota breakout. He wasn't able to um, execute that. And then as 
Minnesota transitioned up the ice. They, the Canucks were still in an okay defensive posture. It was essentially a two-on-two situation. But then Boldy beats Heronic wide, which is another mistake. And then Erickson Eck gets inside position on Hughes. Another mistake, right? And it's just the type of defensive mistakes that we haven't seen often from the Canucks this year. But we saw a fair number of them in the Minnesota, in the Minnesota game. Nar in the YouTube live chat. <clears throat> Phil Kessel's steadying influence would not have let us lose that one. I'm not sure his defense. I see helped. a few spots in the lineup for Phil Kessel right now with how that team played yesterday. Ellie McCann's got to go. He's so bad. Ellie McCann can't finish. Uh, RC Baines. You know what I said? And this sounds a little mean, but I don't mean it in a totally negative way. He's an NPC player. <clears throat> you don't mean that in a totally negative way? Well, he's never noticeable for good or for bad or for bad in the sense of like, he's not going to make an egregious turnover or Fair. the type of grade a defensive breakdown yep. where you're like, Oh my God, I noticed this guy, but he is an NPC kind of. Yep. Right? I, he just exists. I think it's accurate. And NPC stands for non-playable character for yes. people that don't know. Yeah. There you go. It's like CPUs in video games. It's like Louis Erickson. <laughs> it is like, Louis honestly, Erickson. we're kind of, yeah. We're yeah, approaching that. Territory. That's actually not the worst comp. It's like 2019-20 Louis. And how scary Except is that? Except a little faster because yeah, McCabe, is slow. Yeah, yeah. McKayev is a little faster. <laughs> At least he's got that going for him. You're a little faster than Louis Erickson. Archdeep Baines expected to get in the lineup tonight against Colorado Avalanche. We're going to be joined by Dave Hall, Canucks Army's prospect guru, to chat about Baines' progression in Abbotsford this year. And folks, you've heard about it enough already. He's been fantastic. Obviously, AHL All-Star. Um, all-Star Game MVP as well, um, scored on Clay Stevenson, uh, which is a hard feat for everybody. And I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to this. You and I were talking about where we think he should slot in the lineup. I think you take Mikheyev out, put PDG wherever. Like, if, if you're going to put P... I say, put, put, the first thing I came into the office with was, Harmon, I want them to take Mikheyev out, and I want them to put PDG on the third line in Joshua's spot, because that third line looks so lost with either Mikheyev on it. And... You could tell PDG, okay, you got to play like Dakota Joshua did. He fits the profile of Dakota Joshua a little bit better, can probably do the things that Dakota Joshua does well on that line. He can do them better than Ilya Mikheyev can. Surprise, surprise, Ilya Mikheyev doesn't seem to be a fit on that line. You came back and said, why don't they just put Arshdeep Baines there? And I love that idea. Well, I don't think that's what they're actually going to do. I know, but I love because it. Because coaches are safe. But yeah. second leg of the back-to-back, you probably got a, a tire team. You insert... Uh, a fresh body and my thought process behind that was Bane's best attribute is his hockey sense. Mm-hmm. We've been far, hearing that since he came, came to the organization and like, <laughs> that's the reason he turned into something like, that's the whole reason he turned into something because, and again, I, I want to get Jeremy Carlton on the show soon, but we had him on previously and we talked to him about Bane's and his progression. And this is something Ryan Johnson's also told us is that this guy very easily could have turned into an AHL lifer, uh, you know, a tweener that couldn't couldn't make it even in the AHL. Like, let's not forget when he started with the Abbotsford Canucks, like he was between the fourth line and the press box, right? Like, he was basically, I don't, I don't know, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna make this a mean joke or anything. I was gonna say he's basically Danilo Klimovich, but um, he was an offense guy. He was just offense when he obviously you know leads the WHL in scoring, but he had the hockey IQ where he could develop the two way game through hard work and that's what he did he developed so much around his game and he's such a well-rounded player now and that's what you hear from everybody you talk to when we started it was okay he's got really high hockey iq 
And then now we're hearing, yeah, he has a high hockey IQ and he has used that high hockey IQ to make himself a better all-around player, which is why I think I love your take about putting him on the third line. Especially because I think that'll fit well with Garland. I think you need a smart player to fit with, uh, with Garland because I think an underrated element of Joshua's game is that he's smart with how he reads off Garland in net front situations. When Garland's behind the net, He's doing his spins. He's doing his moves. He can be unpredictable with the way he twists and turns. But Joshua seems to understand the patterns with how Garland moves and can sort of position himself accordingly. Whereas with McCann a couple of shows ago, I pointed out that I don't think he quite knows what Garland is going to do next, like what the play he's looking for is. And so as a result, sometimes he'll look lost in the offensive zone. I also think that's a big reason why Teddy Bluger has been a fit because let's be honest, Teddy mm-hmm. Bluger isn't the fastest guy. He's not the, the most skilled player. He's not a particularly sharp finisher, but what is he? He's a smart two-way player. He understands where to be to support the puck and just make sharp decisions all over the ice with the puck without it. Um, maybe that can be a fit with Baines, but again, I would imagine that Rick Tockett, when you're, talk, when you're talking about a player that is about to make his NHL debut probably doesn't want to put too much on uh, on his plate, especially against um, uh, a Colorado side that is, of course, a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, but it would be fun to see at some point. I love that they got him into the lineup. I know some people had a problem with throwing him in, <laughs> throwing him into the fire against Colorado after a 10 to 7 loss. I have no problem with it. I like it. Let the kid make his debut. His dad, I confirmed. I, I, I've spoken about this before. Obviously, his 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 brother is is a good supporter. He's a member of Canucks Twitter. Uh, I confirmed that uh, their dad is on the uh, mentors trip. Is uh, what the Canucks have right now. So, uh, Archdeep's dad went to meet him. And I will remind everybody, Archdeep's dad once sent a Canucks convo poll question into the family group chat to tell him to tell everybody to vote for Archdeep because he was going to be on our show that day. Uh, all the love in the world to the Baines family. Couldn't be happier for them. Uh, and of course, Archdeep making his debut tonight is what we expect to see. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I I think it's going to be great. Uh, Bruce Wang in the Facebook live chat said that he thinks Baines is getting a point tonight. Threw it out there. Yeah, he said Bruce Wang, hot take. Baines will get his first NHL point tonight. Let's freaking go, local boy. Yeah, local kid. It's, it's such a good story. It's such an awesome story. Uh, and we will talk to Dave Hall more about that right now because he is joining us and dave hall is brought to you by greta yes dave hall is brought to you by greta had to look that one up uh the home of our electric watch parties okay speaking of electric watch parties time is running out february 22nd when vancouver takes on seattle is the day of our next watch party folks if you're watching this live, it's in two days. If you're watching this on Tuesday, it's in two days. If you're watching this on Wednesday or listening to this on the podcast player on Wednesday, it's tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the 22nd, God, I hope there's still tickets available. The watch party is, tickets are on sale now for just $10 with proceeds going to support Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Your ticket gets you access to the best watch party in the city, Greta's game day food and drink specials, an exclusive swag bag, and a chance to win some sweet prizes with the Canuck Place Children's Hospice raffle. Uh, get your tickets at nationgear.ca before they sell out. And I can tell you that they are almost sold out. So please buy your ticket. Uh, we want to see you there. I've already got a lot of people telling me they're going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, Harm. Uh, you're going to be there, obviously. Uh, and I want to see some people in the YouTube live chat. And folks, I remember all of your names. So if you come up to me and say, hey, I'm this person in the YouTube live chat, 
I will remember you. I will I will 100% remember uh, at least one comment that you've left. Some of some people have some really memorable comments. But anyways, let's not make them wait any longer. Dave Hall is our guest joining us now, and he's here to tell us all about habit. He's here to tell us all about the prospects, and he's here to tell us all about Arshdeep Baines. Let's start there, Dave. Uh, Arshdeep Baines expected to make his NHL debut tonight. What should fans be expecting from him? Well, I think as you guys already alluded to, uh, you know, he's got a lot of skill, um, but I would expect a little, him to, you know, as he already mentioned with uh, the press today, he's probably not going to do too much out there. He has a tendency to try a lot out there on with his uh, elite playmaking. So I just anticipate to him to go out there, have some fun. And one thing that you're going to see is just his work ethic. He's going to leave it out there every shift. And hopefully, as you guys already talked about, that's on the third line. That's where I'm kind of hoping that they slot him in. I would love to see him next to Bluger and Goner, uh, Connor Garland, rather, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Where has he made the biggest strides since turning pro? Because this is a player that I remember first watching him uh, at Penticton when he first signed, and I thought to myself, one of the smartest players on the ice sheet, definite NHL caliber hockey sense. He's got the playmaking, he's got the passing, but there was something missing perhaps in his pace and, and obviously even compared to last season, he's taken a huge step. Where have you noticed the progress for him? Yeah, I think skating is definitely one of them. He's now he's one of the fastest. I mean, he was going to take part in the fastest skater competition in the AHL competition. So, you know, his skating is definitely one of the areas uh, that has improved. One, one thing about his game that I think goes kind of undetected is his ability to perform at five on five. Uh, I think he's got 77 points already in two years and only 16 of those have come on the power play. So I think his just overall uh, ability to kind of drive a line. And basically if someone's struggling, Colleton can basically toss anyone on that line and that's pretty much going to kind of get them back into order. So I just think a, his, his ability to move and then B just his ability to kind of carry the rest of the line around him. So Dave Blackfish came out today. I read it. I loved it. Uh, What's a big takeaway from this week's Blackfish that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest ones is that, you know, for the first time in forever, our defense, like our prospect pool is actually quite good. And I think as we saw with the reports about Jacob Trescott not coming, uh, signing with the Canucks, I think, We've got some pretty elite talent in in the pipeline that's kind of waiting to go. You know, Sawyer Menio's popped off. Uh, we have Kirill Kudrytsev, who's doing some awesome things. He's really worked on his defensive game this year, and I just think overall he's probably going to be playing some minutes next year. Um, and then we also have Elias Patterson, who's now outside of the, the playoff picture, who's probably going to be making his way over sooner than we think. So I just think overall just the depth of our prospects, especially on the defensive side, which is just – not been something we could have said for the past couple of years has actually, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going well. Wanted to ask you about Jet Wu. He was briefly called up to Vancouver, obviously didn't suit up for any game, so we didn't get a chance to see him, but how has his development been over the last 12 months? And do you see him as a player that could develop into a, a legit depth NHL option down the road? I do. Uh, but I think the key there is depth. Um, he's been good. I mean, he, he's all year. He's showcased everything that he did last year, but a little bit better. Um, and over in the past couple of weeks, you know, Christian Milan has been out. Uh, they've, they've just been so banged up all year. And especially in the last couple of weeks, Wu's really stepped up and taken over pretty much everything. He's running the top power play, penalty kill and the top pairing minutes. And he's been fine. 
He's on the verge of getting career highs and points, but more importantly, he just continues to just bring his, you know, defensive snarl. He's, you know, he's always putting it all out there. And I just think going forward, if they do decide to keep him, he's, he is what he is. And I think he definitely has the ability to kind of play that, that seven, eight kind of defensive pairing um, down the line. Absolutely. Dave, if you had to make a prediction, we see Baines tonight. Who's the yeah. next guy from Abbotsford to get the call up to actually play in NHL <laughs> games? And you can't say Linus Carlson. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, that's the easy answer. I mean, I, I think it has to be at this point, Pod Colson. Um, he's shown enough that I'm, I, I've harped on this all year. I still don't want him up yet. But I think if, if they were in a pinch and they need to go with someone, he's probably the next guy that I could see actually going up and contributing something. Um, I still think Aturatu is still. You know, he, I don't think he's he's anywhere close this year. Um, we'll see next year, but um, obviously Klimovich has he's had his uh, quite the season, and so I think overall, just Paul Colson, he's got the ability to kind of jump up and play that bottom six role if you need him in a pinch and maybe uh, provide some offense there. But I think that's pretty much what you're looking for. Can you explain to the listeners what you mean by Klimovich has had quite the season? Yeah, I mean, I, well, started a healthy scratch injuries no points frustration pretty much you name it he's experienced it he's played well he had a nice little stretch there in uh early february january but you know it overall it's just been let it's one of the, been one of those seasons where it's like let's shut it down try again next year and you know we'll see how it goes <laughs> uh logan sankoven got his call up today so uh, i saw that stars. uh good timing I saw for that. that uh karan has a question for you dave uh, he said, I think most view Baines as a playmaker. Does he need a shooter next to him to produce? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, keep in mind, Baines can shoot. It's just not, you know, at the NHL level, we'll see how it goes. He, I think the issue with him is not that he can't shoot. It's just that he's very reluctant to shoot. He's always looking for that play, um, almost to a fault a little bit. He's just always looking to set up his his playmates, uh, uh, his linemates rather. And so I think if you could just get him to shoot a little bit more, I think he would probably produce a little bit higher than he has already. But yeah, I think you definitely do want to put him with a, a shooter. Uh, that's going to, that's going to help drive him. But I think at the end of the day with Baines, at least right now, you're pretty much slotting him in, just hoping to get some energy and just do what he can uh, along the boards and like on the cycle game, which is why I really want to see him with Teddy Bluger and Connor Garland. Cause I just think overall they could just bring so much energy and hype to a line that you know, add in his playmaking ability. And I think we'd, we'd have something nice there. Dave, I love it. Good stuff as always, man. We will uh, we will chat with you soon. And folks can check out your Canucks Army uh, prospect, mid 2024 midterm prospect rankings. Live now on Canucks Army, the honorable mentions went out. And those will be going out all week long. So Dave, thanks so much for doing this. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. And there is Dave Hall, Canucks Army's prospect guru. Go follow him on Twitter too. Um, He's a good Twitter follow. Someone someone brought that up in the chat, actually. They said he's a good Twitter follow. He uh, is willing to answer questions. Don't ask me questions about Noah Juleson. <laughs> Do not ask me questions about Noah Juleson. Yeah, not, not the best past two games for Noah Juleson. It was funny because I threw out that take, and then his stock rose, right? And it was, it was looking like I was a genius. I was thinking I was a genius. Great philosophers and I remember that. <laughs> the great thinkers throughout history. Hasn't been as good for Noah, but he'll he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. We'll bounce back. We will bounce back. Our thanks to Dave Hall for joining us. I'm all at a whack today. I don't know what's going on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's preview further this game Do you want to talk about Winnipeg, actually? Yeah, let's do that. The second loss. We didn't even talk about it. Well, yeah. it was the first loss, but the second one that we need to talk about. Yeah, and that was... There was so much going on in that game, too. I think there's a few things. First of all, I think the Canucks got a little carried away with the emotion, physicality, yes. chasing hits, which I know it's such a cliche. Talk it feels like he says this after every game that it's a learning lesson, but legitimately, I think this is... Especially for the playoffs. For the playoffs. Especially for the playoffs. Teams are going to play you that physical. That's the closest I think I've felt to a playoff style game and environment all season. And they're going to try to get under your skin, which it looks like Winnipeg was trying to do a little bit. And it looked like the Canucks were trying to answer that. But, you know, it, it's good to play hard and finish your checks. And that happens in the playoffs. But obviously that Juleson one is the one that kind of stands out to me where he steps up on Mark Shifley and it's a two on one or three on one, excuse me. And the one was Tyler Myers who laid down and spun all over the place and had no chance of intercepting the pass. Um, but yeah, that was a ill time decision by my boy. Yeah. And I think that Zadorov Juleson Paris struggled as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, I even remember from the first shift, they had some struggles breaking the puck out. Uh, Canucks were outchanced in that game eight to one with Juleson on the ice. And it wasn't just people are focusing on him chasing the hit, which led to the two one one, which yes, that was a mistake, but actually started much earlier where Ilya McKay was coming down mm. on the left wing, takes a sharp angled shot, uh, puck sort of rims around. So now there's McKay and another Canuck forward that's caught deep. Puck rims around to Juleson at the right point. There's like three Winnipeg Jets players on that same side. And instead of looking up and doing what he's done for most of the season, which is, okay, let's make the poise play. play. Let's see. Let's let's get our head up, see what the options are. He immediately flipped it straight down the right side where there were no Canucks and three Jets. And now you've got your two Canuck players trapped. Indeed. That's, that's I think, the bigger mistake rather than hmm. chasing for the hit. Um, but, yeah, they struggled. And, and, I mean, let's be honest, the top players didn't come through at all, right? Uh I mentioned I thought the Miller line was actually pretty good at five on five. 
they controlled almost 90% of the expected goals. They didn't allow anything defensively. Uh, they were even on the ice for one of the goals for either Myers or Juleson. So with the Miller line on the ice, it's like you dominated possession, didn't give up anything defensively, and you won in terms of goal differential, won nothing. They did their job, but Pedersen line didn't have really anything going. There were disappointment. Power play was uh, a major letdown, which uh, I'm sure we're going to touch on soon. Uh, and... You know, that's the game, right? Winnipeg scores yep. twice on the power play. Uh, one of those goals, I think the third goal, Demko probably want, would have wanted back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a mixture of factors there. And got to remember, Shifley had, what, four points? He just didn't have Three that. Three hat-tricks. Oh, no, that was the Minnesota that game. Was the Minnesota <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, it was only 4-2. Yeah, I had, I had to bring up the three hat-tricks. Because I... The stats we saw in the Minnesota game, and not, not to jump away from Winnipeg too quick, but the stats we saw in the Minnesota game, it was a silly game. It, it, it was a silly season game. It was crazy. And I wanted to bring this up because I had to look it up. Uh, so you can bet on the over for games, right? I looked up what you would have gotten if you put over 15 goals. First of all, it's not an option on most betting sites. Uh, but the one I found it on, if you bet for like over 15 goals, you're looking at like plus 1,300 odds. So a $10 bet returns you like 130 bucks. If you'd called yeah. it that there was going to be over 15, but the highest I could find is over 15. So the other thing we should quickly point out is yes, the officiating in that Winnipeg game was oh yeah rough, yeah. especially on like, I didn't like the Hoaglander roughing call on uh Pionk, I think it was where he was just engaged in the net front uh, battle. It was either Pionk or Demel. I think it was Pionk, but I thought that was a little soft. And then Pionk, on a couple times <laughs> on the game winning goal, Garland and I saw this in the press box and I was amazed it didn't get, it, it didn't get yes. called but on the game winning goal I think it was I follow who was falling towards the ice after Garland checked him and he legit grabs Garland's yes. leg right yes. in the corner I'm like how is this not interference yeah. but it's uh, I guess too this is where they're like oh and- we don't want to decide the outcome of the game well when they go back and score 30 seconds later, you just decided <laughs> yes. the outcome of the game. Uh, Tyler Myers post game there said, I thought we played a pretty good hockey game. We lost special teams battle. That ended up being the difference for us. But for the most part, we played a good game. We'll look at some of the things we can clean up, but you know, guys were into it tonight. Then he was asked about Juleson who moments before Myers availability, put the final two goals on himself. And this is what Myers said. Well, that play would have never happened if they called the penalty on Garley in the corner, the one you're talking about. So Jules is fine. He doesn't need to think about that at all. And then he said, it felt like we were playing two teams tonight. Um, I love that, but I don't know if that helped them in the Minnesota game. No, nope. Based on how it was. Looks like that one got to the referees group chat because the Canucks found themselves down on a five on three, four times in that game against the Minnesota Wild. Now, I'm not actually saying that there was horrible, horrible calls. I think the only really bad one was the Elias Lindholm one, and that's pretty egregious. Canucks killed it off, but that's pretty egregious. The Elias Lindholm roughing penalty when the team's already, like, we see, like, legitimate, like, trips, slashes right to the hands that are called nine nine out of ten times. We see those get not not get called because the team is already shorthanded, but they called that. I'm sorry, that that is just all the alarm bells start going off when that happened. Yeah, that was tough. I think the other play that people were arguing about was the the goal where people were saying Oh yeah, it should have been should have been blown down. There's no yeah. way the ref saw it. Like there's no way the ref saw it. And yeah. that's the thing. I see people I saw people saying, like, oh well, well, it was clear it was under Cole. 
Really? Was it was it that clear that it was not with Casey DeSmith at any point? Like we've seen quick whistles. I, a medium whistle would have got the Canucks out of that situation, but they just let them, uh, the referees just let Minnesota just keep digging at it. And eventually they pulled it out, which is going to happen. If you keep banging away, it's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe the puck was never covered, but the, the rule is if you lose sight of it and the official was positioned, well, you know, we don't give credit to officials often, but he was positioned well in like referee school, 10 out of 10 right there for being right behind that. Like he was in a good position to see it, but there's no way he saw it. There's no way he had his eye on that. No chance. Blow the whistle. Do, 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 do. That's a good song. Okay. I literally thought of the exact same thing, but then you vocalized it. And I was like, I don't think you were supposed to vocalize. I had to vocalize it. Is that you too short? Yes. Blow the whistle. Do, yeah. do, do. Too short? What? That's the artist? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Beats me, man. I was gonna be like, oh, is that uh, Lil John? Definitely not. At least you call him Lil, not Little. Little's his cousin. <laughs> okay. Too short. Moving on. I've never heard of this guy. Okay, okay, okay. It's, it's too short. Bay Area. With a dollar sign. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Moving on. Sorry. You it's hard to let your choose of thoughts win. <laughs> it's hard I... to transition from that, isn't it? Um, yeah, the Minnesota game, there was obviously the five, or excuse me, the four, five on three penalty kills for the Canucks to kill off. Just crazy. Like, we 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 don't see that at the NHL level. Um, so. Yeah, obviously that wasn't great. But what we're hoping is great is tonight's game. And it's time for our Four Winds Light the Lamp contest brought to you by, you guessed it, Four Winds Brewing. Vancouver is playing Colorado tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Tap Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram, and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. All right. Who's got the uh, first goal tonight, Harm? I'll say JT. He's riding the hot hand, and I just think he gets up a little extra for these games against Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, these types of games. Uh, Drew Magus has a couple of really good points in the chat. One of them is about me not having heard of Too Short. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, Drew. I think that's a new name. I don't think I've seen you in the chat before. We're going to get to your comments uh, in the Anyone Else segment. I like the Miller pick. I like the Miller pick, first pick. I am going with Elias Patterson because as I will talk about in Anyone Else, he needs to show up tonight. Yeah, well, let's save the debate for once yes. he's done research. Why? And after you can do all the research, I don't have any research to do. I watch the well, games. I, I, I need <laughs> logic to make my points. All right. Well, have fun with that. I'm going to start spewing off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I got to tell you about another sponsor of ours, and that is HSBC World Rugby Sevens, Western Canada's largest sporting event. This year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series from February 23rd to 25th. That's next weekend, folks, or this weekend coming up. BC Place is going to be the place to be. Tickets are on sale now at van7s.com starting from just $40 per day. And if you want to go, we've got a four-pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away. Text hashtag 7s, that's S-E-V-E-N-S, to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. We'll be giving away a four-pack each week until the event, so make sure that you text hashtag 7s to 778-402-9680. All right, Harm. 
I'm looking forward to this because we uh, we talked briefly uh, pregame about what your Under the Hood segment was going to be. So it's time now for Under the Hood brought to you by Mr. Lube. Yeah, so I was thinking about the Canucks power play since big picture, I think, for the last couple months, maybe even since December, they've been struggling a little bit. And one thing that I noticed just watching the unit go to work in the Winnipeg game was that Quinn Hughes seems more reluctant than usual to shoot. And it feels like he's always passing off to the flanks. And because he's not shooting as often, penalty kills aren't necessarily respecting that and they're cheating to the flanks. And that's part of the reason why it feels like Elias Patterson, for example, doesn't have as much space to operate with. And so I wanted to look into the data for this and it turns out. So through the first month of the season, Quinn Hughes, I've got here had 16 shots in 16 games on the man advantage. So, so a shot per game game? uh, at uh, on, on the power play. Since January 1st, he's only got seven shots in 21 games on the power play. That's crazy. So his shot rate has fallen off a cliff there. And again, I do see it. There's a lot of situations where they'll be snapping the puck around. He gets it up top. And I feel like I can predict, oh, this next pass is going to flank. And if I can predict it, penalty killers can predict it. And it's going to mean less time and space. Whereas early in the season, it felt like he had the shot first mentality where he he was just going to let it fly from distance especially with some screen set up and that created some havoc. And, and and at that point as a penalty killer, you had to sort of be honest. And I think watching the man advantage now, I'd like to see Hughes reestablish the threat of the shot because I don't think they um, have that right now. I think another thing I want to bring up about this and I will, we'll close out under the hood and we'll continue the conversation because under the hood is your segment. So I should tell you that that was under the hood brought to you by Mr. Lube, the pioneer of the no appointment warranty approved oil change. Now providing appointment free tire service and sales, find them at one of their 16 locations across the lower mainland, find your nearest location, visit them online at mrlube.com. Okay. What I wanted to bring up about that Harmon, I wish I had a whiteboard or I could draw on this TV behind me. And I guess, I guess not great for the podcast. So I'll, I'll explain it. What I've noticed about opposing penalty kills is yes you're absolutely right they're going out to the flanks but in turn the defenseman or the third forward whoever is there is coming up higher to Hughes basically leaving the net front open and then if Hughes snaps it back you'll see that that defense or that player whoever the penalty killer is goes right back to the net front right and that's how they kind of take away that lane is if Hughes goes to the flank because look like Hughes might be able to get a shot through but like he's not going to snap a pass to the guy at the net front if the um, if the opposing penalty killer is coming up toward him, right? So it's almost like an arrow. Like when the flanks go out wide, the middle comes up toward Hughes, if that makes sense. The perfect example is Lindholm's goal against Carolina. Yes, that exactly. Where the net front was, Lindholm was open. open. There was no one really gar- guarding him. I think it was Hughes in that situation. It was, it was, yep. And Lindholm got the tip and they scored. Exactly. Uh, it was almost similar, but not quite with Besser. Yesterday, I thought, like, almost similar, but not quite exactly what we're talking about. The Lindholm thing that you brought up, I'm glad you brought it up, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, that is exactly it, is you're seeing them come up high to Hughes to take away the shot while also taking away the passes with the flanks going out wide. So, look, I I would love to see Hughes shooting more, but, um, you know, it's not as if the flanks are are being covered and they're daring Hughes to shoot. In a way, they are, but they're still coming out high to him. So, you got to find new ways to create because, look, like, I don't want to say people have figured out the Canucks power play, but the Canucks power play isn't having trouble scoring just because they're 
missing something that they had at the start of the year. Teams were making the adjustment, and now it's time for the Canucks power play to make the adjustment. And it's not just that one thing that, oh, if you fix this one thing, exactly. your, your power play doctors hate this is, one trick is solved because it's been like there's there, there are a number of other factors. I don't think Pedersen's passing has been very sharp. Yep. Uh, from the flank, I haven't liked, for instance, JT Miller, I think is their best playmaker on the power play. He's year in, year out, been a whiz in that situation. He spent a decent chunk of, for example, the Winnipeg game at the net front position. I think that's a waste of his playmaking totally. skills. Whereas you had Brock Besser, who scores the vast majority of his, of his goals in and around the net, he's, uh, he's at the flank where I don't think he's as dangerous no. from distance. No, absolutely not. And this this was brought up on Rinkwide as well, and I brought this up to Jeff. Like, I was talking to an NHL executive one time from another team, and he said that he thinks JT Miller is one of the most dangerous players in the league on the half wall from that spot oh, at creating yeah. offense. One of the most dangerous in the league. He said he was the most dangerous. But anyways, um, just something to something to think about is that the power play formation, like, that's the thing is it's not like the power play formation is what's wrong with them right now, but... Don't move JT Miller out of that spot. Yeah. I also have been liking Niels Huglander on PP2. Yeah. Yeah, he's been good. Uh, did you have anything else on the power play that you wanted to get to? Just briefly, this is not directly tied to the power play, but it it sort of ties into, I think, part of the conversation from the Minnesota game. I think Rick Tockett has been a little bit conservative with using his timeouts. And what I mean by that is obviously in the third period of the Minnesota game, at some point, could it have made sense to try and stop the momentum there, call a timeout, hit the reset button, maybe? But I also thought in the Winnipeg game, the Canucks got a power play. I think it was in the third period. Miller and Miller's line and Hughes preceding that were on the ice for a really long offensive zone shift. So they were completely gassed. And in that situation, I was thinking, call your timeout because mm-hmm. – in this spot, you want your first unit on the ice. I know they haven't been great, but I'd rather have them on the ice than the second unit, which I don't even remember the last time the second unit has scored a goal. They have no shooting threats outside of Kronik. Um, and what are you saving it for, right? Like most games, your timeout doesn't get used. And instead what happened is they didn't call the timeout. They had the second unit out there. The second unit wasted a minute off the clock. Um, that's half your power play right there. Absolutely. Uh, Captain Canuck. Good, good uh, little intro to anyone else. He said, what if we stopped going for one-timers and just got dirty? Remember how many goals they had at the start of the year, just driving the puck to the net and getting those garbage goals? That's where Brock's going to cook, right? Like, that's where Brock Besser is going to you know, make his money, earn, earn his paycheck, earn your ice at the net front. Um, I agree. I absolutely agree, uh, Captain Canuck. Okay, let's get to anyone else. Brought to you by DoorDash. Ding dong. Uh, it's our listener's chance to get involved and then hit us, up, hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25, offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms apply. Ordering so easy. Just open the app, mm. choose what you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door. Beautiful. Beautiful ad read, Harmon. I'm going to bring this up every every episode this week. I'm going to bring it up. Next week, I am going away. I have to go cover Jeff Patterson uh, over at Canucks Army because obviously Jeff is our uh, reporter over at Canucks Army, but he needs to fill in for Sakaris and Price next week. So I'm off next week. Irfan Gafar is going to be in my seat with you all week long. Uh, you guys are going to have some great shows, but I'm, I just want to say this on every single show so that I don't have to deal with people. Where's quads? Where's quads? Every day of the week. I just I'm gone all of next week. It's not a vacation. I don't want to hear that. It's not a vacation. I just have to go do work 
uh, elsewhere. What are you working on a Noah Juleson deep dive? Yeah, no, my long? Noah Juleson deep dive. A week dive. in the life of Noah Juleson. <laughs> yeah, I'm following him around. <laughs> okay, this, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll ask him. I always wondered about this. Like, does R.C. Baines live at home? Like in Surrey? Yeah, I don't know. How, it's not that far from Abbotsford. It's like a, what, 30? You did that drive, 30, 30 minutes? Well, not from Surrey. I know you didn't do it yeah. from Surrey to Langley, but like, you know what I mean? When you entered on Highway 1, because obviously you're not coming, you know, you're, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know how far it is. How far is it from like Surrey to Abbotsford? It's still a fair distance, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. I wonder. Because a lot of these players, like a lot of the players have roommates. I'm guessing R.C. Baines. I probably Baines, would. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm guessing R.C. Baines doesn't live at home, though. I don't know, though. I don't know. We'll ask him next time he's on the show. Okay, uh, let's get to anyone else. There's a lot of really good stuff here. Ty David starting with a heater. Is Elias Pedersen upset or pouting that he's not at center? I don't think so. I haven't gotten that vibe. Have I haven't you? got that vibe either. I just think it'd be funny if the Canucks went into negotiations and like, actually, you're a winger. Yeah, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> He finally wants to negotiate, and they're just sitting there like it's an arbitration case, and they're like ready to go with all the reasons yeah. he shouldn't get okay, paid. Okay, you can no longer make more money than William Nylander. You're a winger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> William Nylander set the market. This is it. <clears throat> oh, great question, Andrew Christensen. Are you worried about your 20 goal bet with favor? I absolutely am worried. About it. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to try to have this fake. Uh, Oh yeah, it's it's a lock. I don't know if it's a lock that Quinn Hughes is going to score twenty goals. I was, man, start of the year. I should have cashed out. I should have been like, all right, we can go to, uh, you know, we can go to McDonald's or something <laughs> instead of uh, instead of Eliza Steakhouse because that's the bet. And for those that don't know, the old co-host of this show, Chris Faber, um, we had a bet that Qu- I said Quinn Hughes is going to score at least twenty goals this year. Faber said no, he's not going to reach twenty, and the bet was the steak dinner and two. Roman Cokes. He's got to sh- start shooting more. He does have to start shooting more. Now he really has to start He's shooting more. He's just dominating with his playmaking. Yeah, it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Look at him just setting everybody else up. Yeah, that's going to be my next my next big rant <laughs> is going to be like, I really don't like that Quinn Hughes isn't scoring goals. It's a problem. Well, you're going to be in the locker room next week, so. That's right. Quinn, can you please start <laughs> scoring? No. Uh, 12 goals in 57 games played for Quinn Hughes. Of course, he also has. goals is hard as a defenseman. Yeah, it but I thought he was so going to do it. Like, I don't, and, and it looked like my Noah Juleson take. It looks awesome when I threw it out there. Like, I threw it out there again before it would have looked awesome. So there were still a lot of people being like, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then he starts looking like he's going to do it. And everybody's like, oh, you were right. Now I'm sweating a little bit. Scoring 20 as a defenseman is I'm trying to find the forward equivalent. What would it be? Like Austin Matthews scoring 50 at game What's how many games has Matthews played and he's about to score 50? He's nearly a goal per game, but yeah, I like, think it's like two or three games. Yeah, yeah, he's at 49 goals in 53 games. That's the equivalent. Sometimes defenders wow. will go on like a career year and hit 20, but then mm-hmm. they rarely do it again, right? Like Eric Carlson had 25 goals last, last year, he's at seven this year in 52 games. He's yeah. not really that close. Carlson actually did it back to back early in his career right. 13, 14, he had 20, and then the year after he had 21 goals. But outside of that, I mean, it's it's a tough milestone. It is a tough milestone. I still think I, I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that he does it, man. Kill McCarr with 13 goals. Got to pick it up. Got to pick it up. <laughs> Roman Yossi, 23 in 21-22 when he had that 96-point 
campaign. I think what we're realizing is whoever scores 20 goals, if you score 20 goals as a defenseman, you're winning the Norris. I mean, I don't think Yossi won the Norris in that year, though. What year? Uh, 21, 22. He might have, actually. No, no, he did. think so? No, I don't. I, I don't think he did. I think Yossi's year was 2018, 19. Oh, 19-20, maybe? Okay, now I have to look this yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> look it up, look it up, look it up. No, um, it was Makar. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, I yeah. Yossi I, won it in 18-19, no? Yeah, so... I, 19-20. 19-20, okay. I googled Roman Yossi Norris, and the first article that pops up after some NHL.com thing is, Roman Yossi robbed of second Norris trophy after absurd PHW, PHWA voting results. Who wrote that headline? <laughs> A to Z sports.com. Based out of Nashville, I'm sure. Holy smokes. I wonder if, like, if Quinn Hughes loses this to Norris. We're not oh, going to have a headline not, like that. No. He's not. No. No. Anyways. All right. Uh, someone bring up that Evan Bouchard might hit 20. We talked about that at another date. Uh, okay, Nuckhead. I want to see Baines on the line with Miller and Besser. Imagine if they find chemistry there so Suter could move down to the fourth line center role. That would be ideal. I keep bringing it up. It really feels like Nils Amon isn't going to be the fourth line center by the time the playoffs roll around. And he's done great in the penalty killing, but it just feels like he's not going to be there by the time playoffs roll around. That's my vibe. Maybe. You'd need everybody healthy and maybe another depth add to be able to do that. I think in relation to the question about Baines in uh, top six role there, I don't hate the idea if he starts building momentum, but baby steps right yep. you're not going to throw him into a top six role against Colorado right away especially because that Miller line's going to play tough matchups right it's imagine going from okay you're playing in the AHL to okay your line's going up uh against Nathan McKinnon have fun one of the best lines in hockey yeah and, and look you're, and you're learning the system and, and everything we, like, we were tough. looking at the Colorado bottom six it ain't good like if no. there's anybody to get him in against it's like oh my gosh Colorado don't put him in against Colorado no no Put him in against Colorado's bottom six. Colorado's bottom six is awful. Well, look how long it took Niels Hoglander to get top six, right? Like mm-hmm. he was shuffled third line, fourth line, scratches, you know, early on. Guy from the AHL without practice time, we should add two. You know, it's one thing to get thrown into the fire against Colorado when you don't have last change, higher altitude. It's another thing to be penciled in for top six minutes on a line that has played shutdown role at points of the season yeah it's a good point it's a good point um i had one that i had written down and i wanted to get it in did anyone else see that the shine is already worn off on andre kuzmenko in calgary yeah did you see that so kuzmenko's played seven games for the flames three goals obviously got off to that hot start looked like he was going to be this great addition he's a minus two through those seven games and he is now on the fourth line yeah the I way just, they're talking about it is the exact same way they were literally it here. It, all 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 that's funny to me is it took 81 games like it took full 81 games of kuzmenko being on fire for the canucks to then be like okay this isn't gonna work like you can't play top six nhl minutes seven games took calgary seven games to realize well, we'll that. see it may have just been I'm a, being temporary a little dramatic i'm being a little shot. dramatic as i tend to do dan milstein calling on line one <laughs> but also if you're calgary who who else do you have? Like you may as, may I as saw well put who they're in the top. Who are they putting with? I can't remember the name. They have Martin Poss, Pospisil in a top six role right now. Yes. Well, it depends. Calgary doesn't really have a defined top six. They just have three lines in their top nine that are relatively even. Painfully mid lines. 
they have like zero riz. I don't. That's not how you're supposed to use it at all. How much longer do you think they hold on to Mikheyev as one of their top twelve forwards here before sitting him? Oh, before sitting him? I mean, I was calling for it today, but I don't know. Like, I think it's got to be close, right? Like, mm-hmm. once you guys all get healthy, and if Baines plays well, yeah, I think he's getting close. Demote to fourth line first, perhaps. Well, I mean, he's already there, right? Yeah. Like, right. he was already there. As soon as Joshua gets back, he's back there. <laughs> like, the only reason he's... he's well, he's definitely in... not playing what the role that Joshua was before. That's exactly, exactly. That's why I say. So but... then you're already down what to the co- bottom line. Yeah. I don't know. Call Linus Carlson up. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, stop. That's no, a bridge too far. I'm joking. I'm joking. Settle down. <laughs> Dan Nelson's teens could even be more pissed off now I, in all seriousness which as hey much as- let them be because bottom line is your players need to be played better like i'm sorry you can't go about this well oh we might piss off the agent here oh like, for sure and nobody's worried same about thing that. with Zadorov too yeah right yeah yeah like the canucks are the canucks are trying to win stanley cup like yeah. let's be clear i'm not canucks- trying to keep agents happy i've Absolutely. seen that narrative thrown out there and maybe it's just done in a joking matter but like no. unless dan milstein starts representing elias patterson tomorrow <laughs> which is joking um but I don't know. I and all seriousness, like this is what I was trying to bring up is that I really hope Ilya McCann figures it out. Like, yeah, this team really needs to hope that Ilya McCann figures it out. They need speed in this lineup. Yeah, especially come playoff time. Yeah. All right. Um. Oh, people are bringing up baseball. Oh no! Are they really? Yeah, they are. Captain Canuck is asking if I'm a Jays fan. Yeah. Yes and no. I I pay attention to the Jays. I watch them, but I watch the Mariners more than anything. Uh. Padres Dodgers on Thursday. Shohei Otani makes his debut with the LA Dodgers preseason debut. We're gonna get spring training reports live yeah, on the show. So the game's at twelve. Oh, and we're doing the show remotely on Thursday because it's the day of this our watch be, party. Go get your tickets. Viewership that day. <laughs> Go get your tickets. Can we ban this person from the chat who asked that question? Yeah. No, it's a Come good on, Captain Canuck is great. And then Karan also wants to talk baseball. He said, "No, Quads is Seattle Mariners fan." Yeah, I watched the Mariners. Only team I can drive to go see. No, he so. was answering the questions that you. No, didn't he have wanted to, do to it. talk about it. And now <laughs> Captain Canuck said, "Hey, yo, sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not the video. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> Ty Davis. I'm not even gonna read that. Ty. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's knee. He said, "Should McCann sit out for a few games and rehab his mm, knee no, more? Nah. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's the knee at no. this point. Like, I think it's just getting up to speed. And how are you going to do that if you're not playing? I don't know, man." I don't know. Anyways, okay, we're done. We're done with baseball. Um, <clears throat> there was some good stuff here. Oh, yeah. People wanted us to have this debate. What you and I were talking about before the show. I came in here saying, Elias Pedersen needs to get it done against top teams, and he needs to do it. And I saw everybody's like, well, Daniel Wagner wrote this article. And uh, no, no, no hate toward Daniel. I read that really rudely. But love Daniel. But this article that Daniel wrote is saying that, okay, Patterson actually scores more against top 10 teams than he does bottom 10 teams. That's great. What I brought up to you is the top five teams, there's a big difference between them and then five to 10. And I'm not, I'm not trying to f- put flaws in the article. I'm just saying that when I see Elias Patterson not playing well and I say, damn, he didn't play well, I don't want to be met with, well, look how many points he has. Look at what he does against these teams and these teams. I, I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I'm seeing it not happen against some of the top teams. And tonight is a chance for him to really step up. If if you if you're in this star star player category where he's going to get paid a lot, and, and look, he's going to get paid a lot this off season, and rightfully so, he's a good player. You've got to get it done consistently, right? Like you 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 have to start having kind of a baseline 
of consistency because we just haven't seen it this year. I also just, I get what you're saying, and I agree. Top players need to come through against the best of the best. But I also think that sometimes we're cherry-picking who we call a top team. Because sure. I brought this up. You want to, like, let's look at the NHL standings. Top five is Vancouver, Boston, Florida, Dallas, Rangers. Oh, here we go. Um, it's the Florida debate that we had before the show. Well, yeah. I mean, he produced, <laughs> he produced against Florida, and they beat them twice this year. Right? Oh, Dallas, and New York. Florida is the best team in the East. Now they are. They weren't back then. They started the year 10-4-1 without Montour and Ekblad. They still weren't the best team. They're, okay, they're the best team in the East. They, they went are. to the Cup Who's last better year, than Quads. them in the East? Boston. Boston. They beat Boston in the playoffs. Boston's got a better record. Well, that's the Boston thing. People go off. Record last year too. Boston's another top team, though. You've, you've, and again, I know there's more than one. But all I'm saying is, is this is what I don't want to hear. Is I don't want to hear, okay, well, he did it against this top team. Okay, well, and then the Rangers, right? He had a four-point night against the Rangers in yeah. January. In January. People go off standing sometimes or they go off the reps of a team. And that can kind of where you get into that subjective territory. The facts are is that he hasn't had a point against Colorado, against Vegas, against Winnipeg, and against Boston. What's what is that for? Have they played Vegas? Yeah, they played oh, once yeah. and they lost, right? That's right? Yeah. Okay. So what is that? Four games? That would have been a quad set if you brought up how he didn't have a team have a point against a team they hadn't played yet. And they that haven't won. They haven't won in any of those games. So it's completely exactly. fair to objectively point that out. Now, this goes into the subjective side of like who do you consider the big dogs in the NHL for me, Colorado, Vegas, uh, Boston is right there. I think Winnipeg is just a tier below, but now look at Dallas. They're at top of the central. Well, he showed up against them. So uh, yeah, the bottom like, line is he's got to show up against these teams. Cause at some point here, if they want to have success, they're either facing a Vegas, a Colorado in the second, third round. It's for coming. sure. But that's my point is, it's it's almost like you're cherry picking which teams people are considering top teams, sure, and saying, oh, he hasn't scored against them, them, and them. But then I can also go back and say, well, he scored against this top team, this top team, and this top team. I just yeah. want you know him to do it mean? like it balances out. I want him to do it against all. Of them. Well, then, like, like I want he's not Connor McDavid, he's not yeah. McKinnon. We know that. I guess that's and nobody outside of those guys does that. Or, or Matthews as well. You want to include in that tier? He's not in. He's not in that tier. You're when it right. comes to best players, it's McDavid in a, in a tier of his own still, I think. Then it's next tier down. It's um, McKinnon and Matthews, probably in the same tier, although yeah. I think McKinnon's better. He's also done yep. it in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, and then it's everybody else behind that. And Pedersen's probably in somewhere in that third tier after. Dry sidle. I know. And where Kucherov. does he slot in in that? Where does he slot <sighs> I mean, in that I, top tier? That's what you and I were throwing around before. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have the... I'll give you my vibes list because <laughs> no, you need a list. No, I'll give you my vibes list. We, we shouldn't debate this now. You don't have to. You don't have to respond. Okay. Jack Hughes, I take him higher. Yes. Leon Drysaddle, take him higher. That's tough because he plays with McDavid. That's fair. Probably, I, I can see the case though. I can see the case. Yeah. I think that might be it. David Pasternak, maybe. Maybe, yeah. No, I would. I would put Pasternak. Yeah. Hell, Rick Tockett was putting Marshawn higher like when they played Boston, right? Yeah. When you're talking about top guys, and th- and that's what I'm talking about, is just when it's a big game and it's a top team, you need your star players to come through. You just need them to. For sure. But my point is just, like, this is what I don't want to see, is if the Canucks don't win this game and it's the second leg of a back-to-back, you're playing against Colorado and everybody freaks out as if this is some 
this is some sign that they're not going to be able to well, get it. How the do playoffs. they lose? How do they lose? Yeah, that matters. Of course. So I think, again, we'll look at the last two games against Winnipeg, 2 2 tie, right? Going into the third. Yesterday against Minnesota, they had the 5 3 lead. Couldn't get a job, job done, which has been an outlier for the majority of the season because when they've had those leads going into the third, they've been able to lock it down. So tonight, can we expect them to at least show that they're closer to the team that they've shown at points in the season? If you remember that first game against Colorado, like they were in it and it was in the third period where the things got away from them. And I think it was McCarr, Ranton, and McKinnon. Their stars kind of just took over that game. That's, I think, what the Canucks are looking for tonight. Like, that's all I'm trying to say. And it's not like I'm not trying to knock Elias yeah. Patterson and say, oh, you can't get it done. I'm just saying, if there's anybody that needs to get it done tonight, it's Elias Patterson. Not because he hasn't done it, or it's not even anything yeah. about that. It's just that if the Canucks want to beat Colorado, if they want to beat these top teams, they need their star player, Elias Patterson, to play at the top of his game. Yeah, that's, that's all fair. I'm saying. That's completely fair. And look in goal tonight, right? Demko versus Gorgiev. There's a matchup where you can take that, you know, hopefully to the bank that the better goaltender is going to come out on top, especially since he didn't play last night. Uh, someone in the chat afternoon. said, and anyone else said, who the hell is Bobby McMahon? I heard Bobby McMahon's name a lot. <laughs> Dude, recently. he's on fire. Yeah, I've been hearing, I've been hearing Bobby McMahon uh, a quads a lot. bump. That's right. So this is Julesen, the name. Bobby this is, McMahon. This is the next, like, who the hell is this guy? But for me, like, because I knew who Bobby McMahon oh, yeah, was. Yeah, we had this right so before Colorado, the show. Harmon had a who the hell is this guy? Has Chris Wagner centering their fourth line, <laughs> according to Daily Faceoff? Who is that? I don't know. He used to play on the Avs. He's he's a physical guy. Or, uh, no, he Bruins. is on the Avs. <laughs> he used to play on the Bruins. Or was that Austin Wagner? There was two Wagner. No, he is. On oh, yeah, the, you're right. It is that Boston guy. Okay, now yeah. I remember so he's him. Th- he's a physical, like, just bowling ball guy out there. But uh, it's just such a generic EA Sports name. Oh, yeah. Chris <laughs> Wagner. It's a great name. That's when you've overcommitted on your cap and you're just looking for, like, league men guys. Would you call him an NPC arm? I mean, if he's physical, he's at least noticeable. Have you looked at a photo of him? He looks like an NPC. He looks like he's ready to, like, trade for some trinkets on your travel. Yeah. Like, yeah. He looks like a Fallout character. It's you, not play, qu- you ever play Fallout? No. Uh, you might not get that joke. Hopefully someone in the chat gets that joke. He looks like Fallout 76 or Fallout 4. Whatever. Fallout 4 was a good game. New Vegas. Anyways, all right. We're, uh, we're going to have to wrap up here. Um, was there anything else? I, I thought there was another one that I saw in the chat that I really wanted to get to. Uh, okay. People wanted baseball talk. They got it. Um, yeah, some stuff about the... Uh, yeah, some stuff about the AHL. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. We're going to have a good show tomorrow. There's going to be a lot in there. Um, we had some for Dave. Those got read. I'm just sorry. I'm doing one last sweep of the chat, and I have to talk my way through it because it's the podcast. Um, we need some background music yeah, for we these. Do. Do, 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 yeah, Ty do. David. PD is due for a multi-point game tonight. Make the bet. Ty, I'm glad you asked because it's time for the Betway Bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. There it is. I'm feeling it, Harm. The vibes are telling me. And you might be wondering oh, oh, why dogs you taking, are barking. Why are you taking this bet? Why are you taking this bet tonight? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the Vancouver Canucks. Big 
statement game. And I, I honestly, like, as much as I was ripping or whatever you want to call it about Elias Patterson, like, I, I think he's going to have a big game tonight. I do. Like, I, I'm saying he needs to rise to the challenge, and I think he will. Like, I, I genuinely think he will. And, I, of course, we're rooting for we're rooting for these guys to do well. We want, we want to see winning hockey in Vancouver. And I think we're going to see some tonight, folks. A $10 bet for the Vancouver Canucks to beat the Colorado Avalanche in any fashion tonight at plus 125 odds returns you $22.50 over at Betway. Must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you at the watch party. Get your tickets at nationgear.ca. For my co-host Harmon Dial and our tech producer Grady Sass, my name is David Wadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads brought to you by the Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X's fresh look is just an added bonus to its range since you can drive up to 406 kilometers on a single charge. That's enough to get you from Kitsilano to Whistler or Kamloops to Kelowna and back and still be home in time for the game. Now that's what we'd call electric. The best part, by choosing electric, you can get up to $11,000 in rebates and incentives The BZ4X are in stock and selling quickly, so make sure to visit shoptoyota.ca or your local Pacific Toyota dealer to get your hands on one. Conversation is live Monday through Friday, every weekday at 2 p.m. over on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, and interact in the YouTube live chat every day with us, folks.